Welcome to the Terry and Jesse Show. Jess will be back next week. We're going to have a special show on Monday with Bishop Athanasius Snyder. I'm recording that tomorrow morning early from Kazakhstan, halfway around the world. We're going to talk about his book again and about how we build the body of Christ up. Wow. Today I also have a special guest, Father Frank Pavone, who'll be coming on after the first segment to talk about President Biden's executive order and how we can help stop it and defend it, defend life. And I can't think of a better priest than Father Frank to do that. And we're going to talk more about defending life throughout the third, second, third, and fourth segments. But before we do that, we love to do the gospel of the day of Mass, which is uh, soul food, we call it. The Gospel of Matthew, chapter 25, verse 1 to 13. Jesus told his disciples this parable. The kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, five were wise. The foolish ones, when taking their lamps, brought no oil with them, but the wise brought flasks of oil with their lamps. Since the bridegroom was long delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, there was a cry. Behold, the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all those virgins got up, trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise ones replied, No, for there may not be enough for us and you. Go instead to the merchants and buy some for yourselves. While they went off to buy it, the bridegroom came. And those who were ready went into the wedding feast with him. Then the door was locked. Afterwards, the other virgins came and said, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he said in reply, Amen, I say to you, I do not know you. Therefore, stay awake, for you know neither the day nor the hour. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Wow, I love these parables, man. I mean, they're hard-hitting. And if we really think about these parables from a perspective of our faith, and from the, this is right from St. Augustine, uh, I just think that you know we get so much out of our bigger brothers and sisters lived before us. And here's what St. Augustine has to say. The main lesson of the parable has to do with the need to be alert. Practice for us, right? In practice, this means having the light of faith, which is kept alive with the oil of charity. Jewish weddings were held in the house of the bride's father. The virgins are young, unmarried girls. The bridegroom, who are in the bride's house waiting for the bridegroom to arrive, the parable centers on the attitude of one should keep. The, yeah, the, the parable centers on the attitude one should adopt up to the time when the bridegroom comes. In other words, it's not enough to know that one is inside the kingdom, the church. One has to be on watch and be prepared for Christ's coming by doing good works. 
This vigilance should be contagious and unflagging because the devil is forever after us, prowling around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. That's First Peter, famous quote. Watch with the heart. Watch with the faith. Watch with love. Watch with charity. Watch with good works. All of it. Make ready the lamps. Make sure they do not go out. I renew them with the inner oil of an upright conscience. Then shall the bridegroom enfold you into the embrace of his love and bring you into his banquet room where your lamp can never be extinguished. This was a sermon back, sermon 93 of St. Augustine. Isn't it great that we have big brothers and sisters that live way before us and read the same gospels we're reading and we get to get their insights on it. It's fantastic. All right, let's bring the smartest guy into the room. Holy mackerel, that's Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen. Wow, he's always got something good to say. Well, here's what he says today. There are two classes of people that make up in the world. Those who have found God and those who are looking for him. Thirsting, hungering, seeking. And the great sinners came close to him than the proud intellectuals. Pride swells and inflates the ego. Gross sinners are depressed. Yep. Deflated and empty. They, therefore, have no room for God. God prefers a loving sinner to a loveless saint. Love can be tainted. Pride cannot. The man who thinks that he knows will rarely find truth. The man who knows he is miserable, unhappy, sinner, like the woman at the well, is closer to peace, joy, salvation than he knows. Well, I just, I, when I read that, it reminded me of a young man that I just heard about uh, who's a famous movie star. No, I never heard of him, but that doesn't mean anything. Uh, Sheila LaBeouf, he's a, con a convert to Catholicism after studying to play the role of Padre Pio. See, he talks in an interview with Bishop Robert Barron. I watched the whole thing, and I would encourage anyone to do that. I was all outstanding. He was depressed. He was living a wretched life. And when he went to do the role for Padre Pio, he had to go to a monastery. And he went to a monastery where they had the traditional Latin mass. And it moved him so much. In his interview, he just says, I got, you know, hoodwinked by God. I mean, I was just like, he said, um, I was living a, a retrous life, and now I can see I can turn my life to Christ, and I can actually worship him. And I mean, he had all kinds of uh, charges of misdemeanors, and he was it sounded like he was living a real rough life of immorality. But because of St. Padre Pio playing the role, he saw the real meaning of life. And he also said something that was profound about suffering. He finally figured out, you mean suffering had a purpose? See, and that was never crossed the modern man's mind, that this suffering we have can be united with the sufferings of Christ to help redeem the world. <clears throat> now, he said what was key was worship of God and his conversion. And when he read the life of Padre Pio, 
he saw that this man handled all kinds of criticism, even from the church, but he stayed focused on his eyes on Jesus Christ. So that's a beautiful testimony of what Fulton Sheen was just saying about there's two schools of life. There's the school of God, and then there's the school of secular humanism. I want to also thank all of our listeners. This week we had matching funds for the support of Virgin Most Powerful Radio. And last night we went over our $10,000 matching funds. And I just have to say, wow, thank you everybody who helped us, you know, with that matching fund program. If you haven't had, you want to be a a monthly donor, if you want to help us still, we still will take those from us all today. We did it for a five-day matching funds. You can go to vmpr.org and click on matching funds, or you can call 877-526-2151. Folks, I constantly like to refer to Ezekiel 318 as our theme for Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Because in there it says, If I say to the wicked, you shall surely die, and you do not warn them or speak out, to dissuade, to dissuade the wicked from their evil conduct in order to save their lives, then they shall die for their sin. But I will hold you responsible for their blood. Do you remember the story we shared about uh, the um, uh, story of the Saint Ambrose back in the 4th century where the emperor had committed public sins of murder and he wouldn't let him receive Holy Communion? That's the kind of saints we need to be today. We can't be compromising. And I constantly tell you, never worry about who will be offended if you speak the truth of the gospel. Worry about who will be misled, deceived, and destroyed if you don't. Think about St. Ambrose. If he didn't speak up to the emperor and call him to repent, he would have lived, continued to live a decadent life and gone to hell for all eternity. What? Yeah, that's right. But because he had the guts to tell him, stop, you need to repent before you come into church to receive Holy Communion. Not only did he receive the grace, but St. Ambrose is now called St. Ambrose because he stood up to the emperor, and just like we're praying that Pope Francis will stand up. Our leaders will stand up to the secular world or to people who say they're Catholic in name and say, I love you so much, you have to repent before you receive Holy Communion. That's my prayer, that Joe Biden will be converted through what we call tough love, sharing the gospel with love and devotion. So let's keep that verse in mind, Ezekiel chapter 3, verse 18, and St. Ambrose, and let's live by the gospel with love and devotion. When we come back, Father Frank Pavone for Priest for Life will be us be with us. I like to say I'm too blessed to be stressed. I'm too anointed to be disappointed. And if hope was money, I'd be a billionaire. Stay with us, family. We got more to share on the good news of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Stay with us, family. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. Welcome back. Jesse will be back next week. I want to remind everybody, Bishop Athanasius Snyder will be on exclusively on Virgin Most Powerful Radio on Monday. You won't want to miss that interview. This man's a 
a gem in the Catholic Church. And talk about gems, my good friend, Father Frank Pavone. Welcome to the Terry and Jesse Show. Hey, good to be back, I, uh, Terry. Thank you for having me. Father, I am so pumped right now because we're living in these exciting times of, of the church where, wow, God is calling us really uh, you know, to be sacrificial in our life and our, and our love for our brothers and sisters, especially the most uh, vulnerable, the unborn. And I bring you on at least once a month to talk about that. And I want to set the stage and then have you give your thoughts about it. You know well that President Biden has got this executive order uh, to protect access, he calls, to reproductive killing centers. Uh, and to clarify that emergency medical care includes abortion services. This is just ludicrous, but that's their pitch. This is their way of trying to stop the unborn from being born. For example, and I'll just give an example, Texas. Over 10,000 babies have been born since they put the heartbeat bill in. That's exciting. Can you imagine running into one of those babies 10 years from now, 15 years from now, and uh, you're saying, well, thank God you, you were able to survive that because of our prayers and our sacrifices that people made for you. But, Father Frank, that all the different states are starting to be having to address these issues. Can you kind of set the stage for us on what really is at stake here? Well, you know, since uh, Roe v. Wade was reversed, more and more states, and it's almost a, a daily phenomenon, are in, are uh, putting protections into place. So we've got, uh, depending how you count them, anywhere between 13 and 15 states now mm -hmm. that we consider for all practical purposes to be abortion-free. And uh, in fact, let me, it's kind of fun to just go through the oh, yeah, list. Let's, yeah, let's do it. Uh, once Roe was uh, reversed, right away, Missouri became the first abortion state free and uh, abortion free state. And, you know, the way this happens before I mention the other states sure. is that either there was a law in existence before Roe that went into effect right away, or there was a trigger law mm -hmm. passed after Roe that said once it's reversed, it will go into effect. And these trigger laws provided for uh, very often a time intervals to pass mm -hmm. before they would go into effect. So some of them were set to go in immediately and did. Others, it was a month after the decision. And others, it was a month after what is uh, called the um, the official uh, entering of the decision. In other words, at the end of June, the decision came out. But then at the end of July, the Supreme Court made it official it. By, by entering the decision. And some of these trigger laws were based on that subsequent action. They said 30 days after that happens, the law will go into effect. Well, that brings us to where we are right now. So the end of August, a lot of these laws are going into effect. So keeping that in mind and what's going on here, we have Missouri first, then South Dakota became the second to be abortion free. Arkansas became the third, then Kentucky, then Louisiana. After that came Ohio, then came Utah and Oklahoma. Oklahoma passed a very, very strong law. I just was talking to the governor there the other day. Uh, Alabama became the ninth, then, then Mississippi, South Carolina, and then Texas and Tennessee became the 12th and the 13th. Uh, now we have a number of other states that were just on the verge of uh, protective laws taking effect. And notice I use the word protective yeah. 
we should not uh, refer to these as restrictive laws. That's what the other side wants people to think. Oh, we're restricting women's rights. No, we're protecting life, both of the babies and the mothers. Uh, so we're, you know, other. of course, the other side is going crazy. They're yeah. so angry. And they're going to try to continue to do what they've done all these years. They're going to try to continue to thwart the will of the people. Because yes. remember, we're talking about laws here. Yes. Laws don't get passed without the involvement of the people's elected representatives. And those representatives are accountable to those same people through the lobbying process, through the election process. Uh, so we're talking about the will of the people being expressed here. The other side will continue to do what we've always seen them to do, and that is to go to the courts and try to get judges to strike these laws down. We've got to be insistent yes. that based on what Dobbs said in the Supreme Court, the matter of abortion, the matter of protecting the unborn going is going back now to the people, the yes. people and their elected representatives, not the judges. Father, you mentioned uh, Texas. I just read that a judge in Texas blocked the Biden administration's guidance requiring ER doctors to commit abortions. Is it? it talk yeah. about that, because, I mean, I thought that the federal yeah. government could over, overdo the state. Well, there are there are laws that they have to follow, and uh, their their authority is limited, of course. And the president cannot make law, and the president can issue executive orders. But there's a uh, there's administrative law that 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 governs that process. And one of the things the judge in Texas said yes. was that Biden didn't uh, provide a period of public comment. Uh, you know what happens is. Uh, federal agencies can propose uh, a rule. Now, a rule can't be proposed out of thin air. Right. Okay. These are not dictators. A rule or, or the action of a, of a of a federal agency, like the Department of Health and Human Services, for example, has to be based on existing law. So, for example, so so in other words, Congress has to pass the federal laws, and then the agencies are often given by the law certain discretion, you know, like, for example, when Obamacare came into effect, uh, you know, it was talking about certain mandated services, you know, that insurance has to cover. And that's where that whole HHS mandate thing came up back uh, right. a decade ago. Um, and uh, the, 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 so the law is in place and then the agency gets certain amount of discretion. For example, in that case, it was, OK, well, HHS will define what these mandated services are to include. OK, oh, so, so that but the agency can't act unless there's a first of all, the basis in law. Secondly, when if a rule or a guidance, as it's called, is being proposed, and that's what Biden did here, giving guidance to the uh, states and to the medical professionals in the emergency rooms, et cetera. Um, uh, and, 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 and it is based on a law. OK, it's called the Emergency Medical Treatment and Labor Act. Right. When those rules are proposed, there has to be first a period of public comment ah. before it goes into effect. So, again, government of the people, by the people and for the people, the people's voice needs to be heard first. Uh, that wasn't done in this case. And that's one of the things the judge Good in Texas point. pointed out. Yeah. But the second thing about it is, is that, hey, you know, this is not pertinent. 
Uh, Texas passed a law protecting babies uh, from abortion. Uh, this this uh, uh, emergency medical treatment act. We're not talking about abortion, and 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 the state is not prohibiting people from receiving emergency medical treatment. So, in other words, it's another example of the other side uh, going more off of their own ideology and talking points than over the actual provisions of the law. As far as they're concerned, every abortion is an emergency. Literally, every abortion is medically required in their twisted way of yeah. thinking. Because they're saying, oh, well, you know, if she wants an abortion, if she can't handle the child, she's going to be distressed and then she might take her own life. So therefore, this is medically necessary to save her life. Well, no, that's not the way you define medical necessity, and that's not the way this uh, law defines it either. So this is just another example of abortion extremism, and uh, nobody needs to be afraid that these laws protecting unborn children are going to uh, put them in um, life-compromising situations. Thank you for that explanation. It seems like the Biden administration, excuse the expression, but they're hell-bent on killing as many babies as possible. It's like, it's like yeah. whatever they can do, they're doing. I, I mean, this is not uh, even a, a, a slight change. They're putting all their energy into this. And I really find it uh, sad because President Biden is a baptized Catholic. And I pray for his conversion. I've asked our listeners to pray for his conversion. Because can you imagine if he had a conversion to Christ and his church teachings, the perennial teachings of the church, he could do so much to help save many, many lives. And so I think we continue to pray for that. Um, Father Frank, there's another thing that's going on, and I'd like you to share it with our listeners. The federal law uh, against interstate mailing of abortion pills is undermining the leftist plan to evade pro-life laws. Basically, the federal law, which criminalizes mailing abortion pills, can now be enforced thanks to the you know uh, overturn of Roe versus Wade. But it's throwing a wrench in the Biden administration's abortion uh, agenda. Now, the secretary of the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services is trying to make sure that uh, they can do this. What's the latest on that issue? Because that's pretty serious. The whole country. Oh, this is a big, yeah, it's a big battleground. Uh, The bottom line here is we're very close to the midterm elections. I think that that in when it comes to this, my attention turns right away to November. Amen. Uh, We we can, you know, as you said, this is controlled by federal law. And uh, the other side, of course, is looking at this as, oh, this is a great solution to our problem. You know, as we see now uh, in all these states that I mentioned, you know, scores of abortion facilities are closing down or getting run out of town. And, And, oh, well, we can just provide abortions through the mail. Well, not so fast. And there is federal law that 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 uh, controls these kinds of things. I mean, the, certainly the numbers of, of these of these um, uh, chemical abortions have, have increased. Uh, they, they were increasing already. And that the fall of Roe v. Wade has uh, brought even more attention to them. But the, ultimately, the solution here is this. Let's get a new Congress. Amen. Let's get Republican pro-life uh, representatives in charge. And then they'll address this directly and immediately uh, by tightening up the federal laws. And uh, even though 
uh, Biden would veto any pro-life legislation, uh, it is a very important uh, first step. Then when we have somebody in the White House who's pro-life again, you know, they'll they'll uh, be able to sign these measures into law. But the elections are all important, both yes. the House and the Senate. We have got to get uh, the, the, it's going to be the best in, in really, in some senses, the easiest way to fix this uh, in the short term. And I've got some good news. Talk about some of the different states. Tennessee, the last three abortion facilities will close by the end of the month, just in a couple of days. Praise, yeah. praise God for that. Father, you talked about the midterms and we come back from the break. I want to talk about that because fortunately, if we could, and this is the big issue, on both sides, they're saying, oh, we're going to put the abortion issue and we're going to get so many people. The Democrats are saying we're on board to say, let's keep the House. Let's let's you know, let's keep the Senate because everybody wants to kill unborn babies. Right. So vote for us. Now I'm using my terms, but basically that's what they're parading on. And what are we parading on? Sanctity of life. And so right. I think when these midterms come, we as Catholics and Christians and people of just goodwill need to stand up. Because this is our opportunity to turn this around, and this administration could become a lame duck the last two years that he's there. You're listening to the Terry and Jesse Show on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. We're talking about the most important topic in the country right now, how to save unborn babies from the killing machines that this administration, the Biden administration, is doing. Stay with us, family. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. As I mentioned at the last break, the midterms are coming up. And I don't want to oversimplify it, Father Frank Pavone, but I really see it as simple as this. There's two camps. I mean, we read Bishop Sheen's quote of the day. There's two camps, those who love God and those who don't. And I want to just, the two camps I see right now are the Democratic Party promoting the killing of innocent life, as simple as I can say it, and they're asking you to vote for them. And then you have the other side, the Republican Party, that's saying, look, our, our platform is just the opposite on that issue that the Democrat platform is. We want the sanctity of life. We want to prevent the killing of innocent life through abortion. And it's as simple as that. So that's the stage. So both parties are going to be promoting their agenda. And uh, Father, tell us, um, how in the world can we be the most effective uh, defenders of life when this midterm election comes up? Well, right now, we are, first of all, need to make sure we're all registered. We may be registered to vote from in the past, but you can check your voter registration. And we've set up a special website called checkyourvoterregistration.com. Uh, very simple. It goes to a government website. You just put in your, your name and address and uh, it'll show you uh, in your particular state what your record is on the voter rolls that's important. Even if you know that you're registered to vote, as I know I am, uh, you want to double check that because sometimes data errors can occur uh, or there may have been some change uh, that you were not aware of uh, or uh, whatever the reason, fill in the blank. Yeah. Go and check. Anyway, that's number one. Get others to do so as well. Uh, secondly, uh, you know, the primaries are almost finished. 
Uh, there's just a couple of late primaries in September, but the primary season is just about done, which means we've got the candidates for the general uh, ballot on November 8th. And so now we have to look at the deadlines for voter registration. Now, we've got a special website, uh, ProLifeVote.com. That's our election website at Preach for Life. And included on there is a calendar uh, for uh, the states. They're all, of course, the same date for the general election, November 8th, but there are deadlines for voter registration. Uh, and we've got the calendar on there showing those deadlines. The third date to look at is early voting, those states that have early voting. Now, we know that, you know, on our side of the fence, you know, people who think like this, they, t they, 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 they uh, tend to prefer to vote in person on right. election day. That's, That's usually what I do yep. first thing in the morning. Yep. Um, but nevertheless, early voting can serve uh, us well because it gives us more time to recruit other voters and to remind people and to get them uh, to vote, especially if they're homebound or unable to to uh, vote for physical reasons. That they, 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 they shouldn't lose their voice. So um, be aware of those dates and be aware of the policies in your state. So these are all the very, very practical, uh, practical things. Motivationally, as you were saying, you know, we've got and we've got to make the case with our fellow citizens. Yes. They try to redefine uh, the issue on the other side. Like we were talking about in the previous segment, they'll try to say, oh, well, you know, these uh, pro-life candidates, these Republicans, they're going to try to deny you life-saving treatment. Right. That is not the issue. The issue is, do we want a policy of extreme abortion on demand without limits? Because that is the position of the Democrats. They've proven it because they've already voted on legislation in the House and in the Senate. It passed the House, yeah. actually, in this current Congress, whereby all the limitations and restrictions on abortion, including late-term abortion, reasonable measures like parental involvement, et cetera, would be erased wow. across the country. It's ridiculous. Yeah. It's not what the American people want. No. So the choice here when it comes to the abortion issue is do we want radical extreme abortion or do we want the kind of reasonable limitations that are already in place in many places and that if a person um, in, in, in a state wants to see more babies protected and they work with their elected lawmakers and their governors and they pass legislation, do we want to see the courts striking that down? Uh, or do we want to see that enacted as a legitimate expression of the will of the people? That's the choice at issue before us when it comes to this. And Father, you have other websites that can give great resources for this also. Um, what uh, can we do to get more people out on the streets? And, and what I mean by out on the streets, knocking on doors, calling people, how do we uh, become proactive regarding our fellow citizens to give that message of pro-life to them so that, because, you know, many people are busy, Father. They're, they go to work, they come home, they go to work, they go home. And how can we reach those people with this, so this, this election as being so important? Well, one of the things we're doing along those lines is helping people to uh, volunteer to make phone calls yep. and to knock on doors. Yep. Uh, those are two very, very fruitful activities when it comes to elections. You talk to the voter uh, directly, either, either on the phone or face to face. And if you want training on that, any of our listeners who might be thinking, mm -hmm. hey, maybe I could just give an hour or two a week or or maybe more, 
uh, and I don't mind making calls or, or, or knocking on doors. Uh, we can train you on that. And so we have a website called ProLifeVolunteer.com. Uh, or if you go to the website I mentioned before, ProLifeVote.com, you'll see also the link to what I'm about to say. You can sign up for these training seminars. So ProLifeVolunteer.com or ProLifeVote.com, sign up. Uh, the next one we have coming up is September 7th, and we're going to be doing them every week in September in October, awesome. right up until the election on November 8th. And people will be able to uh, sign up to um, make phone calls, knock on doors, or other things too. Maybe, uh, you know, I mean, we have resources, for example, for social media, memes and posts and little short videos that people can use in their own social media platforms to help voters be educated and motivated. So those are some of the things we're offering. And we're also starting, it starts September 6th, Tuesday, September 6th, the election novena, a nine week period awesome. of prayer, because uh, September 6th is exactly nine weeks until election day, November 8th. Mm -hmm. And again, another website on the prayer end of it is electionprayer.com electionprayer.com is a beautiful prayer that uh, I think our, our audience will really like. And you can order prayer cards. That's one of the things we're providing too. We can send you, if you've got a Knights of Columbus group, a pro-life group, uh, uh, another kind of group, uh, or you just want to distribute them to family and friends of like mind, uh, order them. Uh, go to electionprayer.com, order the prayer, download the prayer, say the prayer, uh, and uh, that'll be our special nine-week novena. And if I can just give a little endorsement of these brochures, which I happen to have in my hand, like Help Your Priests and Deacons End Abortion. That's a really good pamphlet to get. Uh, there's other ones. You can continue to protect them. Help Your Pastor to End Abortion. Pro-Abortion Catholic Politicians and Communion, 10 Things to uh -huh. These are strong, so I, you know, that's why I got these from Priests for Life. I want to also mention, Father, some of the most pro-life people I know were on the other side. They've had abortions. Okay? Yes. And then they have, like, Bernard Nathanson, your friend and my friend. We met many years ago. And look what he did to make restitution for the abortions he did by spending the rest of his life uh, going out and proclaiming the sanctity of life. And so I want to just encourage anyone— because. I know that I think it's one out of four, one out of five women in childbearing years have had an abortion. And many of them haven't probably dealt with it. And you have a, a ministry to help these people overcome uh, the stigma of having an abortion. And I want to add, you've also had many of those same people who go through your programs uh, become so pro-life that we really could use them. So can you share the resources for people who have had an abortion, who repent about doing it, but they still have it inside of them? How can they process that, Father? Yes, there's a lot of damage that every abortion does. It does damage to our relationships, to our self-esteem, to our idea of who God is yes. and who our, who our parents are and who our, our children are. Um, a lot of healing needs to be done from all this damage. And one of the resources we provide for that 
is Rachel's Vineyard. It's yep. the largest uh, ministry in the world for healing after abortion. It provides weekend retreats as well as uh, individual follow-up. So rachelsvineyard.org is all about that ministry, rachelsvineyard.org. Dr. Teresa and Kevin Burke, who are pastoral associates of Priests for Life, mm -hmm. uh, founded that back in the mid-90s. Then you have also the Silent No More campaign. Yeah. Now, Janet Moran, our executive director, yeah. and uh, uh, Georgette Forney of Anglicans for Life, began this effort that those who have been through this experience share their testimony. Uh, we know in the Christian faith, I mean, it's testimony that hands on the gospel. People stand up and say, here's what the Lord did in my life. And yes. we see that in our, uh, in our Christian uh, history and in the scriptures. So now people who have experienced this devastation of abortion and have found healing by repenting of their sins, coming to the church, coming to, to our Lord Jesus Christ, uh, they're sharing. They're sharing their stories, and we help them to share their stories. So silentnomore.com. See the testimonies, share the testimonies, and it does a du dual purpose here. It, 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 it helps people to understand that there is hope, there is forgiveness, so those that are locked in shame and despair can rise up from that darkness and take the hand of the Savior and walk into the light and peace. And then the other effect it has, of course, is for those that might be thinking they, they, they need to get an abortion. Yeah. It'll be a warning sign to them as, hold on, before you go down this road, you might want to listen to those who have done so because it isn't pleasant. Father, when we come back from the break, I'd like to highlight some of the people you've met, like, like Dr. Bernard Nathanson and other people who have had um, you know, abortions and they've had a repentance to a point where they just said, I'm going to spend the rest of my time to defend life because I was duped. I was pressured. I know what people go through because I had it happen to me. And I want you to share some of those stories because I really believe those are stories that motivate all of us to stick up for the unborn and to you know, fight the good fight. Also, I want to recommend a book that Father Frank has on his website, a pro-life prayer book. It's throughout the year, 365 days of the year. Great book. Father, can they still get that on your website? Oh, yes. Pro-life reflections for every day. That's the one I have. Hey, stay with us, family. You're listening to the Terry and Jesse Show with Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Father Frank Pravone from Priest for Life is with us. We'll have more of that when we come back. Stay with us, family. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. Welcome back. Jesse will be back. Just to remind you, Bishop Athanasius Snyder from Kazakhstan will be with us here. On Monday, you won't want to miss that interview. Every time I interview him, he always gets me pumped about my Catholic faith, as Father Frank does about pro-life work. I want to just encourage all of our listeners to get involved. If you're already involved with pro-life, even make a bigger commitment. And, and check out Father Frank Pavone's you know, websites. you got the prayercampaign.org. you got prolifeproducts.org. I think he has more pro-life websites than anybody I know. But, Father, I want to just tease people with this. After many years of being involved in the pro-life work, and I know this has happened to you, and I want it to happen to all of our listeners because of their efforts, their prayerful efforts, their work at the clinics uh, by praying, you run into somebody who says, hey, do you remember me? And I say, no. 
and they said, yeah, I met you. You saw, I, you convinced me not to have that abortion, and this is my daughter. And this was 25 years ago. And, you know, I said, Jesus, thank you, Jesus. I'm glad to, it brings tears to your eyes that you think, I, I just was offering you alternatives. I was praying, but most of the time we never know about these things until we're, our exit interview when they're there with us. So I want to encourage all of our listeners to get involved, whether it's making the phone calls or praying at clinics or offering your prayers for the salvation of souls and praying for the conversion of these people. But, Father Frank, you've seen big fish in the pro-life effort where they've been doctors who were killing unborn babies like Dr. Bernard Nathanson, Gosnell. There's just a lot of people who have been involved in killing unborn babies, and for some mysterious reason, whether it's the prayers of the people, I believe that's what it is. It's the prayer support of praying for the conversion of these people. Can you share a couple of those stories that you've had personally in your life? Yes. Uh, you know, I'm thinking of uh, Lorraine Leneve, for example. She helped set up abortion facilities, uh, particularly in the Northeast. And years ago, uh, she and I connected. Uh, a lot of these people I've connected with through the Society of Centurions, an effort that we uh, joined up with uh, psychiatrist Dr. Philip Ney in the early 90s wow. uh, to reach out to um, and minister to former abortionists. So Lorraine set up various abortion facilities and, you know, she became pro-life and then she became such an advocate for educating people about how empty mm -hmm. of a conscience the abortion industry is. And she's done many interviews with me over the years uh, to try to get that story out. Um, I, I also think about, um, of course, Dr. Nathanson himself, when he was dying and I visited him, That's a great uh, story. he said, the uh, first thing he said to I, me was, how goes the crusade? <laughs> I his, his mind was on the pro-life activists. He wanted to see us continue succeeding in what he had worked wow. so hard to do, which was to reverse the engines of this whole abortion industry that yeah. he basically unleashed yeah. in America. Um, uh, likewise, um, Norma McCorvey oh, herself. Oh, you got to tell Norma McCorvey. Oh, well, she, you know, the Jane Roe of Roe v. Wade worked yes. for all the, the, the latter part of her life trying to reverse that oh, decision. Yeah. And, you know, she had a statue of the Virgin Mary in her backyard. Wow. And uh, she would go out there. She showed it to me uh, many times and she would go out there and uh, uh, pray uh, to uh, uh, Mary. And sometimes when I would stop in to see her, on my visits to uh, to Dallas, yes. you know, I come into the airport in the evening and stop by to give her a blessing uh, before going to my um, my uh, my hotel room or whatever church I was speaking at, and I'd find her there at the uh, dining room table in her home, making rosaries. I love it with her own hands. That's Here's awesome. the, the Jane Roe of making rosaries. <laughs> so. Um, because the repentance that these people experience um, is, uh, I, I know, you know, another woman that I helped who um, worked for a late-term abortionist and and just did did hundreds and hundreds of these late-term procedures. She said she said that her clothes were covered with the blood of these babies uh, after she did a day's work. Um, uh, you know, they, these people end up becoming very, very uh, determined yes. to get the word out 
and to make reparation, especially, of course, those that, that are who are Catholic. Yeah. They, we have this deep Catholic theology about reparation, and, and, and it's much more developed theology than we find in other denominations. Um, and they really latch on to that because it's like, you know, they know that what they did is in many ways irreparable. I mean, you can't bring the person back from the dead. But you can save other babies from dying, and that's what these people are filled with the desire to do. You know, Father, these are the inspirational stories we need to hear because they're going to continue to go on. And many of these stories you never even hear about because they're just little people doing the daily duty of protecting the unborn. Mm. I want to just—we have a few minutes left. I want people to support your ministry and— Tell us how they can do that, Father, at this point. Well, like you said, we have a lot of pro-life websites. You do. And, uh, one of them is prolifegift.org. And if if those that are listening want to support, uh, first of all, our work to activate the churches, you want to see your clergy involved, yeah. uh, help us do that. Go to prolifegift.org. You want to see this healing mission, uh, the largest healing mission in the world uh, after abortion, uh, support us, prolifegift.org, because our funds also go to support Rachel's Vineyard yeah. and uh, and the, 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 the continuation of these about about a thousand retreats a year uh, all across the world, and, and then of course we have all the po- political materials like you were referring to. Mm-hmm. We were talking about the training seminars and the brochures and everything, and the prayer campaigns. Uh, again, all of the support for all that you can connect with at prolifegift.org. You can become a monthly supporter right there on the page. It shows you how to sign up or you can make a one-time offering. Uh, But one way or another, you know, just like with your work, Terry, you know, we rely only on the generosity of our audience. You know, we don't get those big grants like Planned Parenthood does from the government. And Father, can you just inform us because this new bill that was just passed, is it true? This is, I want you to, verify this. Is it really true that there's $80 million in the funding for abortions uh, that President Biden pushed through? They call it a reduction of, of um, inflation something, but it's a, it's a bill that's a huge bill, but in it, it's funding Planned Parenthood. Well, the thing to understand about this is, is first of all, anything that the Democrats pass, they're going to find every which way to funnel more money into the abortion industry. And the second thing people have to understand about this when you try to verify these things, mm-hmm. the answer is yes. Uh, the reason the answer is yes is that the way federal law works under the legal abortion uh, scheme yes. is that generally speaking, Unless abortion is explicitly excluded uh, from funding whenever uh, a law talks about uh, health uh, matters and funding of health services, uh, you have to understand it includes it by default unless it is explicitly excluded. That's why we have various federal laws that do explicitly exclude abortion. And this is what we call the pro-life protections that the congressional Republicans are always fighting for each year in these appropriations uh, budgets. There's many, many different different streams of funding. And so they always have to put the language in that explicitly excludes abortion. Now, the Democrats will come along and say, oh, no, this bill doesn't fund abortion. Look, the word abortion isn't in the bill. You're right. The word isn't in the bill. And that's exactly why abortion is getting funded, because that's by default. 
so so uh, uh, the, that's the little trick. That's the little key people need to keep in mind whenever you're trying to evaluate federal funding of, of abortion. Thank you for that answer to the question. And I just want to mention uh, last week, and Father, you knew I was on Newsmax defending life on one of the uh, shows there. And I mentioned that as a Catholic, as a good practicing Catholic, there's no way you can vote for the Democratic Party in conscience where you're saying, well, you know, uh, this is still they're doing other good things when they can be uh, promoting the killing of innocent life. And I said this and I stand by it and I got a little heat for it. But, you know, as a layman, I can say things, I guess, that that uh, others can't. But I said that uh, you cannot vote for a Democratic Party that kills unborn babies, and it would. I said that you objectively, it's mortal sin to participate in the killing of innocent life. And if you vote knowing this, that yes, I'm for killing unborn babies, that's why I'm going to vote for this Democratic Party. Then uh, I say, God have mercy on you, and I, I want to. I want you to consider changing your uh, view on this because it could determine the salvation for you where you will be for all eternity. Now, some people said, Terry, how can you make that judgment? Well, I love you enough to tell you that you can't be doing that because you're participating in a sin. There's many ways to participate in a sin. And so I want to ask all of our listeners to do the best you can to share with your brother, your sister, even your mother. If they're voting Democrat, try to convince them that for the salvation of their own soul and for the salvation of the family and the defense of the life of the unborn. But I want people to realize that this is a matter of life and death, not only for the baby, but we're talking about the saving of souls by voting pro-life. That's my take, Father. You know, it used to be just an argument that, oh, well, the Democrat Party, they, uh, you know, they allow abortion. This is not just about allowing it. They have become apostles of abortion. They are pushing and pushing yep. and advocating That's and right. pushing some more. Uh, friends, you know, you can't, it, it has gotten worse. We were able, to, I think, Terry, we were able to say this 10, 20 years ago. Yeah. You can't vote for the Democrats That's because right. they're, they're, they're pro-abortion. Yep. But now it's worse. We can say it even more, even more confidently today. And I want to remind everybody on Tuesday, Bishop Joseph Strickland said some powerful statements Tuesday when I recorded his show for the next week, which will be this Tuesday. And um, you'd be shocked on how he uh, talked about, are you ready, folks? The his own brother bishops not doing enough for the unborn. So if Bishop Strickland can call his own brothers and, you know, in his episcopacy to say, look, we have to talk about this issue more. We have to tell our, our flock that they cannot vote for these democratic policies that uh, the Biden administration is doing. And Bishop Strickland said that. So when you, when you hear a show on Tuesday, go, wow, that's a, that's my kind of bishop, but we need, he says we need to be really loud and strong to defend the life of the unborn. And I want to say here at Virgin Most Powerful, amen, Bishop Strickland, and I'll say amen to Father Frank Pavone. How about a priestly blessing, Father Frank? Yes, may the Lord bless each one of you and strengthen you to speak up for the unborn and for all the vulnerable in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Father Frank, if you were Jesse, I'd say, Jesse, what state should we be living in? And Jesse would say the state of grace. And I want, to, I want to remind everybody, Our Lady of Fatima said, souls are going to hell because no one is there to pray and make sacrifices. Well, that applies to our pro-life work and our spiritual work. Please offer everything up as a sacrifice for the salvation of souls 
and you'll see that it's the most effective way to convert sinners. May God richly bless you and have a great weekend. And don't forget, Bishop Snyder will be on Monday on the Terry and Jesse Show. God love you and your family.